0: Welcome to Two Dope Boys in a Podcast. I'm Phil McKenzie, flying solo, while brother in dopeness Michael Brooks is running around doing something unknown, parts unknown. But nonetheless, we soldier on, and we're bringing you on point. And on point is where we highlight someone getting it right. And really excited to be joined this evening by a good friend, someone that I've I've gone back with quite a bit. He's spoken at events i've done we've had many conversations around design and culture and where these things all fit together so really excited to bring him on the show after a lot of back and forth and scheduling and all that good stuff and i'm joined by jitamba selia gita who's a designer and strategist and i'm going to let him fill in the bigger chunks of what that all means thanks for coming on the show brother
1: Oh, thank you for having me, man. I, I don't. Th- it's been a minute since I've had such a beautiful welcoming intro. <laughs>
0: uh, we specialize yeah. in welcoming intros here.
1: Oh man, fantastic job!
0: Out it, of this, it world. covers. A- it hides the profanity,
1: <laughs> and it will come. I trust this <laughs> listeners; it will come. Like knowing Phil and I, as you said, is uh, we. Uh, I think it's one of the cool things about the internet. Like we we met through just like mutual contacts and sort of. Um, traveling and I, I, what felt like a lot of the same circles, and it was weird that we'd never met. And then um, Phil is awesome and just kind of you know extroverted as he is, kind of let me on and uh, put me on and let me talk and share what I know. And my like he's described I'm strider and designer, um, trained really in uh, helping to make things come to life. And uh, as time has progressed, I've been really lucky to work with brands like um, like Nike and Apple and Google. Uh, I've worked with agencies like Vice, and right now I'm at Sapient Razorfish here in Boston. And really, it's always just kind of been about um, being very lucky, working with a lot of very smart people to uh, usually kind of have a specific point of view of how we think uh, an experience or the essence of an object should be. And so, and and we either do that, you know. And I've been at places where it's happening from the perspective of an agency helping a big client do that, and I've been on the other side of the table where we're. A big you know client or a brand, and we're not really understanding how to do that yet. So we've worked with smaller and bigger and storied agencies to help that. So it's always been interesting to sit on either side of the fence every so often
0: now, for you to be in Boston, the work has got to be incredible.
1: oh, man. it is I, I feel like recently, like mean, it's funny enough that we're having the show today. Uh, October fifth will make like a year of being in the city. and Um, it's, it's one of those things where I find that it's, it's way more to give us than we really maybe know about Boston. I came here pretty much with a kind of a, uh, it's kind of like a a East coast, San Francisco mindset, but in reality, it's, it's really nurtured by an incredible academic community, MIT, Harvard, like, like the BU, like Emerson. So, and that has schools taking on such tracks as like rocket science and social policy uh, art design and uh, there's an incredible music scene here of like berkeley college school of music lots of venues and it's and it's just allowed us to like uh really be able to look in our own backyard recently so i do work a lot with our BizDev team so it's interesting to see like what kind of smaller brands and not brands but really companies and studio size uh, shops are here and they're they're working in very kind of bleeding edge stuff that doesn't necessarily have a form or a function yet but they're looking to bring it into people's lives. We have Jibo here in our backyard, which is a really fancy connected robot. Um, we have like a lot of like the Harvard Business School is just pumping out kids with interesting MBAs and big dreams. So it's really cool to be here.
0: See, now, see, that sounds all good. But as a New Yorker and a Yankee fan and a Knicks fan, I detest Boston. Oh. <laughs> and I always will. They could, They could literally like solve all of the world's problems. And I'll still be like, Boston sucks. Oh, like,
1: man. I I'm the worst person then. Cause I came after I'm, I'm a Giants, uh, San Francisco Bay area guy. So to come here with all of my like SF gear, uh, <laughs> I was definitely salty, so I, I I'm a little bit in your corner on that side. But so
0: yeller also mellower, man. Like you know, you you're like a little bit more chill, um, a little bit more able to tolerate kind of the Boston folks, and just as a New Yorker, it rubs me the wrong way. But big ups to to the fact that there is a a burgeoning creative scene there, and I, th- I think maybe burgeoning isn't even fair. It sounds like it's it's fairly established and. You know, I think there's an argument to be made that it's in these places along these corridors that you're going to find more and more opportunities outside of what people traditionally think of those cities as encompassing. You know, my New York, Brooklyn bigotry doesn't allow me to look at Boston perhaps in the same way that others who are looking to explore creative fields might.
1: You know, it's it's so well articulated the way you just put it because when I I think when I said I had like a little bit of my own bias, like um, I grew up in New England, so I spent time growing up in Connecticut. Uh, and for me, a lot of the kids I grew up with, when you're escaping Connecticut, it's to go to New York because it's got the edge, it's got that grittiness, it's got um, uh, if you feel like you can give all, and then another three hundred percent, New York will bleed you of all of that and it will ask you for more. So and it's and it's really always been a place where it's set the bar for like not only just cutting your teeth and it has just it just spews so much style and essence and i think that's one of the things that boston hasn't had in the longest time it might be such a melting pot of 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 little corners and neighborhoods and niches but it doesn't have what i think has always been so interesting about a city like new york or brooklyn those big sort of like i mean cities as big personalities and brand i think we always, even for me, in the year I've been here, I think I've always had it been like Boston accents, clam chowder, tall ships,
0: the Kennedys,
1: yeah, you know, the Kennedys. Uh, and honestly, there was a really weird time in my life where I actually considered Boston like the race of San Francisco because it almost has exactly the same like makeup. They're the same about of like city area wise, yeah. the Same cultural diversity when it comes to breakdown of like white, Asian, Black, Hispanic. You know, it has a really rich population in both, but. Being that, like we all know that, like you know, the Boston Celtics were one of the last teams to, like you know, integrate black players and all the things that happened. It, it's a weird, sometimes sort of place where you see that it has a lot of the West Coast progressivism, the chill atmosphere. There's actually a lot of very chill atmosphere, but I think also having three months of some of the worst winners can make very interesting people.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know the the image I always have, unfortunately, that's like stuck in my head about Boston is. When they first try to integrate schools there, and they had the busing, and they have the guy like hitting the other guy with the American flag, like it's a super <laughs> famous image, and that's it's, been it's Boston, lo- for sure, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> been locked in my brain forever, and um, so that's like always in my head. But they did give us new edition, so oh
1: my goodness, new edition. Belle Biv Devoe is from here. I it's one of those things where, like, after being here, you realize that, like, man, I get it. You're just you just haven't had the same luck of being as like maybe able to like show off your style outside of maybe just like those core Boston truth. It's the home of the American, like, you know, experiment. It's, you know, it's weird also to live somewhere so close to, um, sort of like, you know, the origin story of our, of our country, I think is also very interesting. Cause like, I've definitely lived here and, um, it's, it was different to go and see, um What's his? What's his name? What's the philosopher that like went out into the woods because he got oh, a little? Thoreau. Bad? Thoreau, but the thing is, like, I moved here and like Thoreau, like, and I've read Emerson and all that, but like Thoreau makes it sound like he was living and he like moved like hundreds of miles away into the desert. He moved like ten minutes down the street to a small cabin and decided to start yelling and preaching at everybody <laughs> about like extolling how like great life was. But then you'll go a couple miles down and you'll see like this is where the Battle of Concord happened and. And it, it's interesting to be very, like, around, like, that marriage of, like, oh, wow, like that history. But you, it's 2017, and we're dealing with some of the most, like, you know, in fact, like, un, like, real realities possible. And it's almost all sometimes also a city that's trying to figure out, like, what does the next 150 years look like? Are we just going to be always known for this? So it's definitely battling for... The court of public opinion, businesses—we're definitely, I know, in the last few years, been stealing a lot of big, giant corporate businesses away from places like Connecticut, which is actually yeah. struggling
0: yeah, really yeah.
1: badly. They, they lost GE. They—they're—they're no, the way, probably on the way to losing Cigna. And when you hear about why these big businesses are coming and they're so allured by like Boston, it's like you've got this great academic community. Young people like to live here. We're great, you know. We're near a lot of airports. It's got all the. You know the lush signs of gentrification happening to very storied immigrant neighborhoods. Um, so it's it's doing I think all of the what you're supposed to do if you're trying to I guess you know shuck and jive your way into like what does it look like when we're you know trying to again they have a very specific picture like who we think is going to be that audience that will live here and thrive here for the next X amount of years.
0: And you know I think when you when you did your intro and you were telling about the organizations that you work with the um the different things you've seen from both sides of the business. You know, you're seeing a lot of like big names in there. You mentioned like Nike, Google, Vice, just to name three of them. And, you know, we spent some time both talking about the story of Boston and shitting on Boston from my perspective because I always got to throw that in there. <laughs> but to, to twist it a little bit, like all of these places that you talk about, whether it's a, it's a city like Boston, it's an organization like the ones I've just named, they have stories they have perspective they've have they have histories and now you're walking into those organizations and and trying to share your perspective and get them to understand how and why that's relevant to their larger businesses and goals like how do you describe that process where has it been both really rewarding and then and then really frustrating
1: oh man that's 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 a great fodder i think there's it's, it's interesting because a lot of people don't know about me. They'll ask me, like, I'll get, like, full disclosure. It's like, I'm, I'm 32, but I, I came to this country in the early 90s, and I was just very lucky that my career path led me to some of these interesting brands and companies and agencies. But um, but let's say, I guess, like, when my career started, I, I, it was probably, you know, now 10, 10 plus years ago. And I think one of the biggest things is sort of, of maybe, like, the biggest realization is sort of there were places I went to that you have that storied rock star mentality about their, uh, their the outcomes of their work, not necessarily like what the individual outputs were to make. If that makes sense, like you y- you know the classic histories of all the different products and culture movements that have come out of places like Apple, you've seen the aggressive personality that happens at vice. You And I, and I've been also like I recently did a spend at new balance where a company that I'd never worked with before, that is like older than any brand that I've worked with before, but are so in their own world that they're not very much affected by, um, not maybe not necessarily affected, but uh, they, you you learn more and more after being at a lot of these places that there's like there's that difference between you the exciter experiencing the cool stuff that comes out of it, and then you the insider seeing how the sausage gets made, um, learning about both like interesting bureaucratic processes or also sometimes like incredibly clicky companies where like that team i was it was one of the things where um one of my weirdest experiences like i, I joined nike uh i also had to leave new york which i had just really grown to start enjoying and I, and I and i moved and i remember they were very adamant about like are you really ready to like move to portland oregon and live here and and work in our in our little microcosm and that was uh and it was something that was really interesting because I'd never been somewhere where, like, they they told me right away our diversity internally at corporate sucks. Um, everyone, you know, because of where they are as a brand, you know, we don't really need to, like, struggle or fight. But that was, like, two to three years ago. And, like, slowly but surely we're seeing that the Jordan brand just got jumped over by
0: Adidas. Exactly. Major, um, major and, milestone there.
1: Oh, yeah. And, and it was one of those things. I was also working at a department where um, – Again, it was one of those things where like I kind of went and wanted to go work for you know my heroes and cultural brand and sports. but what I got was you know the realities of like moving a giant ship the size of something as big as Nike and trying to get something through the door is difficult. And to your main point is like, how do I apply my vision and or, or how do I bring my skill set? It's always been a juggling act because almost any of these companies I've worked with, they're, they're they're very much I joined those cultures because they're full of, incredible eight types, disciplined people, really story thinkers who I wanted to learn from foremost, but it's also very much a, as a designer or a strategist, whatever the hat I'm wearing, I want to be able to um, be able to feel confident that, you know, I'm bringing my own take and opinion on how something should be. And I always want to take the, the road that allows me to sit not just on like my personal feelings and experiences, but I'm very big on data and observation, and and so it's cool to be at agencies and brands who are very consumer centric. They they respect and have a uh, an interesting view of how they want to solve design problems, and there are times where they maybe even find themselves challenged and really um, like. You know, taking up the you know their you know their shield and sword to really champion. I think what I, I always find impressive are like tough challenges. And uh, I I was recently finding myself that I've been at brands where the tough challenge is a is a product challenge. And uh, I I was recently working with uh, Method Home Products out in California. They make a lot of really um, they have a really great vision that like you shouldn't use toxic stuff in your home, in your in your laundry, in your clothes. And they want to make it as accessible as possible, but um, they're in a time in their business where, like, you know, they don't have a relationship with you. So they came to like a uh, uh, an organization that I was working with, and they asked us to help them like visualize what that looks like for their business. And it was it was interesting to work with, you know, a small San Francisco startup, all ex-big cleaning corporate backgrounds, but now they, you know, they want to be smaller and leaner. And so again, they and they come to you because you have. You know these backgrounds and things that they've never worked on, or you—I don't know how. Maybe that's maybe the toughest part of this job is that, and like, do you find that yeah. folks
0: are are open to those kind of exchanges? Because it seems like whether it's a, if you're in a big organization, then you're you're sort of locked into the inertia that that entails, you know. And if oh, you're cool. in a smaller organization, as if you dis like you described, but you. Come from a bigger organization, you might have still the same mentalities, and maybe you don't have the same resources to enact your, your strategy. Like, how do, how do you balance those two perspectives, or is it even possible to?
1: I think it's always a challenge. I, I, I find that in, in cases where we're at a big established, like, you know, 100 person office, multiple continents, like that's sort of very much been like maybe the hardest lesson. I find that I'm, um, incredibly stubborn, but I, and I'm very much like, if I know I'm I, I, if I know I'm right, like I, you know, you, you enact the, the alchemy needed to try to get it through what is essentially in big companies, lots of pageantry, lots of alignment between department, lots of like trying to understand what everyone is trying to get in, 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 and, and also just trying to understand some people are just, they're just trying to keep their job this cycle, this quarter, this year and and that's a lot more of a I think kind of like a fruitless endeavor because it tends to I find myself going you know what this may change tomorrow so I'm not necessarily always attached to the being to be very personal to the work but then there's very much you know it's great to work with small shops you like who are they're super open they're very much um, aligned on the risk and not necessarily sure on the outcomes but they're but they're really learning. I mean, on, the, on they're not really sure on the outputs, but the outcomes they're very excited about. Like, we'd like to learn more about operating in this space, operating with this user, developing with this material. And those are really fun exercises because it, it's the one time when you see that, like, someone internally is championing risk, has set us up for success, is really trying to see, like, you know, can a small, dedicated group of people with a clear vision, a clear path and and uh, and you know and something worth pursuing. It's always fun to be on that track because you just see the funnest kind of work come out, the most interesting interactions with people internally and externally at the company that you don't work with. Whereas on the other side, when it's you know, like again, I'll go back to one of my weirder experiences at Nike. It's like months of pageantry and we don't really build anything, and like we're just sort of just kind of trying to figure it out. And we have a you know maybe we have a C suite level person running the organization who you know, maybe isn't that right person, but like you just showed up. You're not the guy to start telling people the C suite is kind of messed up here.
0: So Yeah yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's and not so gonna that, be a conversation that that goes over well.
1: Not at all. And it's one of those things where I I find more and more that like also sometimes having uh, clarity of vision means that you're ahead of the times. Like I've definitely been at places where like I got it a long time before like a lot of like people got it and by the time everyone finally caught up. I was gone or the product had been shelved. And, you know, there's definitely things I've worked on that I've never seen the light of day. will never see the light of day. And that's, that definitely like chuffs me a little bit because you, you, you will bleed for this work. You will be in meetings forever for this work. You will be on thousand revisions for this work. And, um, and what's been interesting is that like, I've tried more in my personal life to go and find things where like, again, I can think it through, go find interesting collaborators, watch it come to fruition be it through my own hands or working collaboratively through others and and it's nice to see that go out in the world versus again what my typical day job can be is that a lot more cookie i mean hands in the cookie jar and like you know chefs in the kitchen
0: and that's always a uh, to keep the food analogy going a recipe for disaster Absolutely, (laughs) oh
1: my goodness yeah or you make stuff that's just disgusting and people have to live with it yeah
0: (laughs) they kind of Wince as they as they bite and 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 use it. And uh, people like me on the other side, I look at stuff get released, and I'm like, Who the fuck made that? Like how did this get past all of those people that you that you discussed? i want to I want to jump on something that you mentioned a little earlier because you talked a lot about data. And you know, this is something that comes up a lot in the course of the show. Um and and I was at Advertising Week most of last week. Uh, AI, AI, AI. Oh my god, dude! Talking about AI, (laughs) it's fucking a party between between data, AI, AR, VR. It's just too much, you know, in terms of like people talking about these things. But I'm I'm curious to get like your thoughts on how you use these tools not so much the ar ai stuff but the the data stuff in order to make creative decisions because it seems like people are so they're inundated with with information but they're not smarter
1: right oh that's absolutely one of the craziest parts for me because i it's funny you should say that so like when you look at like agencies and we keep saying agency let's maybe just try to define it i feel like when you say agencies like your IDOs, your Continuum, Sapir, Razorfish, Deloitte, Accenture. um, They're all trying. And then there's internal brand, like inside of like a Spotify, you have data scientists and data engineers. And what's really, I think what I've I've tried desperately in my personal life is, is just show people like, first of all, let's just understand the world we live in. As Today, Phil, there is multiple databases that are creating a singular picture of you that evolves over time. And we've learned the benefits of that when we look at brands like Amazon. Amazon has showed us that if we have like a direct relationship with you and we're generating all this information about you, we can get to the point where because at some level you're pretty repetitive and machines are very good at picking up patterns and understanding behavior and then being able to predict. So what a lot of happens for me, especially with my new title experience strategy is like I spend a lot of my days trying to literally remove all of the things that are created inside of you in the last X years to like blind you to advertising and communications because most of us have these amazing blinders now that like help us kind of mute them all the way down to ad blockers. So a lot of what I've spent a lot of time doing is trying to understand like, you know, what is it that we want this consumer, this whatever to experience? And then I have so many tools at my, like at my disposal to help craft that experience. So when it comes to data, one interesting thing is like, let's take in a lot of these retail examples. I worked on something for a retail client where I was really interested in understanding what would happen to you in a retail setting if as you arrived to our physical retail store, there was a lot of like exchanges happening between you, your personal data, the store, the employees, and all the different apparel and things inside of our retail store. And how could I make it so that there was more anticipatory things happening because of the fact that we knew you were coming to the store yet passed by and entered the store and we were able to do very simple things like acknowledge you and greet you to having a better understanding if you've communicated with us on some other platform or if you've purchased something from us before or if we have any sort of biometric data on you like can we make sure that certain things are on your side or brought out and so in those sort of ways like you, you mentioned AR, VR, Those are all just extensions of, like, how do I piece together this experience with all these different tool sets? So, I mean, VR and AR is great. So, like, I sometimes go, like, but it's all about observation and data and understanding, like, what does the customer want to accomplish? Because you've already said it. With too much data, I can sit here and be like, we know how often you sit in certain specific places. And one of the things that I think is really interesting is Foursquare. If you've ever used that software, the check-in software that was around for years. Yeah. When they finally show you what they can see from their end of everyone walking around having Foursquare on and checking into places, they have a topography of the physical world based on the invisible wires and data and interactions that happen every day. And when we take that information and want to apply it into like completing an action or experiencing something, it gives us so many rich data points where we can either try to supply, uh, surprise and delight you, we can try to you know, alleviate certain things because we can predict things. And so it just becomes hard because we're now entering in an era where like we've never designed at the scale of like an individual person. We're usually designing at scale of like, you will all see the same 30 second TV spot. You will all go to the same very designed store. You will all go watch the same appointment television on Sunday on HBO. And because more and more of the world is you escaping into your own little echo chamber with just your friends and just what you watch and there's a big impetus to keep, you know, creating these personalized experience at every level of your day. That, you know, it's just a wealth of data that like most brands, companies, we've never had before. We've never had to point it and do anything. So but it's a wild wild find, west. Yeah.
0: But you find ways out of that. I mean, as much as people describe an echo chamber, right? Like. I think that's become like very popular, particularly in our in our political environment, and our in our social environments. But I think about, you know, you're a music guy, you know, like yeah. and, and you're also into a lot of other things, you know, um, whether it's like sci fi or anime or whatever. Like we share some of those overlaps. Right.
1: Absolutely.
0: But there's still like you're still in the art of discovery. You know what I mean? Like, th- that's what I'm always const- constantly wrestling with. Like, I don't know if it's possible. I'm sure it is. Like, a data scientist can explain to me how it's possible, but that these, all of these different um, mechanisms can, like, be very predictive in nature. But I'm like, sometimes I don't even know what the hell I'm doing myself. Right.
1: <laughs> so, oh, absolutely. My own I-
0: confusion makes me think that there's hope that all of these machines and data can't necessarily predict what I'm going to do because they didn't know I was going to go into Forbidden Planet on that on that day. And,
1: but that's, see, that's so, so this is a Or really, maybe they
0: do, I don't know. Yeah, like
1: well, this is the, Here's the really cool part about this conversation because it takes very two aspects of things that like, which is another thing. So before I was a designer and a strategist, I studied the, the philosophy of science and religion. And in studying philosophy specifically, I'm very interested in like that very classic nature of like, you're kind of describing like, like the fear most individual humans have. I am a unique creature with unique like abilities. And like, there's literally thousands of like possibilities of every action.
0: Yeah, man, unique like a motherfucker.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. But the problem is it's like when we study people, when we literally just like, if I were to observe you for like a month, you would find that like you do like, maybe like if you think there's like 20 things that you do that like feel individual, there's actually maybe five. The rest are just, like, patterns that you do every day. With. Like, you can just mention, like, whether you know it or not. And a lot of it is slowly, like, the stuff that is being sucked into these giant, like, places that are trying to fix. So, like, your iPhone or your Android device is watching you all the time, trying to understand what you do every day the same so we can either predict a string of text, bring up the right app, remind you of a birthday. But what's interesting is that, like, you know, you've mentioned something else. There's core values that people share, core interests. and those are the things I feel like will always be the the bonding thing. But I think what's interesting is that I have like the scenarios that they're really wanting is like, you know, you walk in and things are ready for you or they've like they're just adjusted for you. just like, and again, it's it's a very like, different world. Like I, I think we were all used to like everyone can use that thing. But the more and more we've had towards personalization, it does create like, a world where not everyone can afford to use it or not everyone is on the same service or it, it's a very interesting time because I, I i i agree there isn't necessarily always an echo chamber but it's definitely like it's weird to be hurdled and cattled and and thrown into a demographic and a psychographic and and that's a lot of what we do and i do a lot is just is, is comparing people and objects and group and understanding if that group will appreciate or that person or and it, and it, like, and it, the scale can always change, but the, 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 the weird richness of the data is that like, if we are able to know as much as possible, we can build the systems and the tools and the experiences that'll make it so that you feel like you're the only person that's being attended to at this moment or being recognized. And that hopefully imbues you with all the fun things or good things or, you complete the task
0: we want. Thank God. The, the individual within within the group. Yes. You know yes. we got we got to get ready to jump. Um, but I want to ask you because I know, like I said, you're you're a guy that has like a rich, from what I see as as someone looking like at a, a Twitter stream and things like that. Like you have a rich um, thirst of curiosity about things. And I love being around people who are curious because that makes me smarter. You know, if folks tweet things or retweet things or mention things or post stuff on their site, that just, that just always gives me inspiration and kind of gives me that like aha moment as I kind of go through my day. One of those predictive things that I probably do much like other, many I, other I would people. Hope
1: to, I would hope to feel that like that's the sentiment all my friends have because oh, in the world, like... Your, like your music being picked for you, your TV shows being picked for you, my my pat on the back is being a human algorithm and being able to travel in circles, pick up, like we've talked about comic books, anime, sci-fi, we talk about politics, religion. You're a hardline ex-Wall Street guy. We have a whole differing of opinions. Exactly. All but I love that to your point, like there is something about the fact that we just, like there is a like a vulnerability to just putting out ideas out there. And we're, I think that we're a great example of being like – I always love being a foil to you or being able to, like, you know, contrast you or some way or being on the same page. I think it just – you know, in a world where we're constantly feeling like we're being divided, it's great to keep having those moments happen.
0: Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Like, share, like, a couple of points of inspiration that you have right now. Just, like, two things that, you know, we, we've we had a tough day. And I'm not sure when this is going to air, but whenever it airs, you know, we've obviously had the, the terrible um, – Massacre um, shooting event in Las Vegas, um, more musically related Tom Petty passed away today. So this might air in a week or two or, or be released in a week or two. But these are the circumstances under which we're recording that recording this. So, yeah. you know, in, even with all of the backdrop of some of some pretty heavy things um, you know, what are some points that, that you look out to and you say, Hey, you know, these are the one or two things that I, that I draw inspiration from.
1: Ah, oh, totally. Um, one of my favorite things and I'll have to send you the link. It's something you can put in like show notes. There's a, there's a really great old set of interviews that happened before Steve came back to Apple and I was at Apple between like 2006 and 2010. Um, so like before the iPhone, after the iPhone, and but there's this this really great interview and it comes back to me especially at these times where um you can feel sort of you know especially just like the the litany of things you just described you can feel powerless in a world spinning out of control that feels just like everything is, is falling off the rails but steve after essentially being fired from apple in the early 80s 90s and then spending a decade at his next company next he uh there's this really great video where he just described that like most of us are taught that, you know, there's this really narrow view of life, you know, get a job, grow up, go to college, don't don't bump against the walls too much, you know. And in the interview, he said, like, that's a very limited view of life. And when any of us listening to this podcast, listening to me and Phil on Twitter, when you look around you and look outside, everything in the modern world was built by no one smarter than you. And you have the power to... Go out there, learn things, make things, and make things that other people want to use. And it's and it's great because um, the company culture there was something that always sort of taught me that like one of the most like greatest expression of showing like how much you care for humanity and people is to make really great things for them. And and it is very skewed in the sense of maybe what Apple does, but even in my personal life, anything that I can do to you know show my expression to humanity and people and again and like you, you I've been really lucky to be gifted with skills that I've learned people that I've met and so in these really hard times I like to really like go back to being inspired by like you know what brings fire and creativity to people's lives what are interesting things that I can apply my knowledge to and and I think that's been a really big thing and also the other thing that's been really interesting is that um i've i've found as a very technophile sort of person and, it, and it's been hard but like i i've been a really big proponent of, of trying to get people to get into or find a way to meditate and for some people i know it's very new agey but for me it's like i go to the court i shoot for an hour feel great that's my meditation nothing new agey about it but i think it's incredibly necessary when since january we've, we've been on like a very intense american terror of being terrorized left and right so any way to center yourself and build yourself up and then any way to take your like incredibly given crafts and skills and acumen and putting it out into the world are like the two biggest things driving me right now
0: brother that's perfect i can think of a better a better couple of um examples to leave our listeners with you know um i really appreciate you coming on and and joining us and and really excited that we had a chance to have this conversation it's been it's Uh. been too long man
1: too long and like i need. i have next time i'm in new york pretty frequently because we have an office in new york so like next time i'm in i'm just gonna have to like find you we're gonna have to go find like a like a, a pipe somewhere and relax and catch up
0: let's do it and so i'm gonna say thank you again to Jatan Basel gita designer strategist thinker data expert
1: just the guy that dude i'm uh, you can find i'm incredibly approachable on the street on the internet uh you know so please feel free if after listening, like hit me up, say hello. would love to chat it up.
0: Perfect. Signing off. And that's on point. Thanks, brother. Take care.